you don't know Stephen Pritt, I don't think, Melody. He's he was co-host of this sh- of the Big Ass Runner early on, but Greg knows him. When you see him play pickleball, it is like a hard workout. So we need I, to. We yeah. need to- <laughs> I can see that from Stephen. He's running all over the place. He's getting. Oh my gosh. He's probably got his own uh, pickleball gear article going. <laughs> exactly. So we're starting. It sounds like we're starting a bumper sticker company, a t-shirt company. And I think a chicken company, because you guys are throwing out the wisdom nuggets like crazy. This is fantastic. (laughs) Well, howdy, y'all. And welcome to a special edition of the Big Ass Runner podcast called The Coaching Corral. Here we talk to trail running coaches about all kinds of stuff to help trail runners cross that finish line. So mosey on in, watch your step, and stay a while. Here's your host, Coach Clydesdale himself, Jeff Harrell. Well, welcome to the very first Coaching Corral. Entering the Coaching Corral, we have... Watch your step, Coach Greg. We have Coach Greg. Welcome to the Coaching Corral. Thank you. Excited to have you here, and we have Coach Melody. Coach Melody, welcome to the Coaching Corral. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is the first one we've done, so we'll we'll figure this thing out as we go, but I'm very excited to talk about coaching topics, and I think topics that the Big Ass Runner Herd want to hear about. And so today, we have, a, I think, a, a really fun topic. We're going to talk about biggest mistakes. You know, I thought originally, hey, let's start on something positive. But every time I hear from the big ass runner herd, they're like, what are the mistakes that I need to avoid? So I thought we'd start there. So let's start with biggest mistakes around training. We'll start with training, then we'll move into biggest mistakes that you see your athletes make on races, on race day and during races. Let's start with you, Coach Melody, if you don't mind. Do you think about your athletes, the athletes that you coach? What are some of the biggest mistakes they make relative to training? Yeah. So the biggest mistakes, I would say the number one biggest mistake is running hard every single day. I think a lot of people who who don't who don't know a lot about running or they they just start running, they think that you have to kill yourself every single time and and they always complain about how terrible it is and and if you go out and run hard and try to kill yourself every single run, of course it's going to be miserable. Um, and all that does is set you up for burnout and injury. So that that's the number one biggest mistake. The second biggest mistake is not recovering enough. I think some people. And these these two kind of go hand in hand, but not giving yourself rest days. And then the third one that I decided was not strength training or doing speed work, just running every day. And tell us a little bit, because I know you you do, we, we had you on the show a couple of weeks ago and you, you're black belt in karate. You love doing more things than just running. Talk to us a little bit about how you coach your athletes relative to strength training. What are some of the things you coach them on? Uh, for strength training, yeah, well... I have all of my athletes start, if if they're not used to strength training, I have all of them start with three to four 20-minute bodyweight strength training sessions a week. And I just build it in to have them do it right after their run or sometimes before their run. And, you know, the hard thing with this podcast is I'm like, man, I could talk forever. I could monologue for hours <laughs> on all of this stuff. So I'm like trying to figure you out. Go, what girl. We'll, we'll let it out. You just go. <laughs> A lot of people ask, should I do my strength training after my run or before my run? And and 
what I would say is is to mix it up. Do it before your run sometimes. Do it after your run sometimes. I'm a really big believer in variety and not getting your body used to the same thing. So so that's what I'd have people start doing and then eventually build their strength from there. Let me ask you a question on that too, because I think one mistake I've seen people make is they think strength training on my recovery day. What are your thoughts on that? Is is a recovery day truly a recovery day if you're strength training or does it depend on if you're going heavy or light? I always say no strength training. I always say that recovery day needs to be a recovery day. On on your hard days, train hard on your hard days, on your recovery days, recover hard. And that if uh, usually for recovery days for my athletes, I'll put like an optional 30 minute to 60 minute super easy cross training like heart rate like 115 to 130 if they want to ride a bike or or swim or or hike if they want to. I also recommend like yoga or stretching, just really easy, like focus on some problem areas, roll out, that kind of thing on, on recovery day, but no strength training on recovery day. I think we're going to put that on a, on a t-shirt or bumper sticker, train hard, recover hard. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good advice. Well, coach Greg, what about you? You coach a lot of athletes. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see your athletes making relative to training? Yeah, so well, Melody's still all my answers. So I'm just going to, I think You're we're going to have. I'm glad you asked yeah. first. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'll probably piggyback off uh, a lot of what she said. She mentioned running too fast all the time. And I think uh, I would just expand on that a little bit where it's also not always running too fast, but also running the same effort or the same pace for all your runs. So it wouldn't be more geared towards, say, the road marathoners, but it, it also applies to trail runners too. So we want to polarize the effort. So, you know, if we have a specific, I guess, specifically for trail runners, so we do a fartlek session. Those, those are your hard days. Then when we give you the easy, easy recovery day next, you, you definitely shouldn't be running the same effort as you were for the fartlek. So it's not always just you're running too fast. Sometimes we you just need to, you know, we want, we want to polarize those efforts. So you're running slow on your easy days. And then on those hard days, the hill repeat days, the fart leg days, if you're if you have a specific tempo session, we're hitting all the different efforts that we want. So I just wanted to piggyback off that. Jeff, you already know that I'm um, I'm a big fan of strength and mobility, especially if I coach a lot of we're just gonna say masters athletes. You know, I'm I'm one of those, yeah. so I, I can embrace that older, <laughs> seasoned. Yeah, so I think for the, I don't know what the yeah, word is. The two reasons mainly for uh, strength training for me is also, you know, one performance. It's going to help you become a better athlete and in turn a better runner. And the other part is durability. We could run 60, 70 mile per hour weeks. So you might break down and then <laughs> and then how good is that uh, 60, 70 mile per hour week? So I, I try to shift a lot of, well, not a lot, but some of the training volume toward strength and mobility and also looking looking at your training volume as a whole and not just like I only ran 40 miles per week and my friend who's training for the same race ran 60 miles it's like well, well what else what else are you doing that they are not doing so we look at training volume as a whole I trained 14 hours this week instead of just I only ran 30 hours so um, I try to look at all that in one piece we had on the podcast we had the the Born to Run authors on Born to Run Two, and Eric Gordon who who taught Chris McDougal 
a lot of what he knows about running. And Eric said the same thing you started with, Coach Craig, which is most runners kind of end up in the middle. They're either you know running their slow days too fast and their fast days too slow. The gray zone. Yeah, they in that gray zone. So I like what you said. You want to be on the on the opposites. Do your fast days fast, your slow days slow. Your workouts hard, your recovery hard, like Coach Melody said. I love that. One thought I had too that I, I hear a lot about, and I think I think is important in training, and that is to have fun in your training. And I know Coach Greg, you did that with me with my hundred K because you knew I loved a Peloton. And so we mix that in. But I also think sometimes it's just fun to just have a fun, like almost like athlete's choice, whatever you really love to do, go do that. Go play pickleball one day. Go, yeah, go do some things that are just fun so it doesn't feel like, because I hear a lot of athletes complain about monotony or, you know, they're just getting in a rut. Go have some fun. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, the majority of us do this for fun. And we have to remind ourselves that, you know, Although we we try to pretend like we're professional athletes, we have other responsibilities. So you have to have that balance and just remind yourself that we have training for 100 miles or training for 200 miles or, or a fast 5K. We do have to keep that in perspective. And people that have access to a Peloton or a spin bike or have other activities, obviously, pickleball is probably not specific toward 100 mile training, but the best workout is the one that you're going to do. So I, I encourage I encourage people to be well-balanced in their training. And if, uh, you know, pickleball is going to be your recovery day, uh, unless you're going super intense, <laughs> let, let it be your recovery day. That's awesome. What did you just say? Oh, yeah, the best workout is the one that you're going to do. I love that quote. There's another t-shirt quote. Maybe we need a list of t-shirt quotes. <laughs> But I, I wanted to say I love that you brought up fun because I think that's so important. And it, it reminded me of an athlete that I'm working with now who he's he's usually a trail runner, but decided he wanted to get his road marathon time down. So he went from running trails all the time, which he loves, to road running all the time. And and he just has been so bored and it has not been fun for him. And, you know, technically, the the technical right thing to do would, would be to stay on, on the roads to train for a road marathon. But we were talking the other day and I was like, he just was getting so bored and he was starting to get a little bit depressed. And, and I was like, let's get you on the trails. Like it technically it's not it's not the best way to train but if if that's gonna help you avoid burnout and if you're gonna enjoy it more then let's get you on the trails more and and we've gotten him on the trails he's enjoying training more so in the long run that's that's gonna be better for him and and honestly what's the point of any of this if you're not having fun right totally and, and a couple of things you guys both said one coach Craig, that you we'd love to think of ourselves as professionals but we're not we're doing this you know, for, our whys are different, but usually it's to stay active, to hit some big goals. And so we're not professionals. And if we're not having fun, it feels like a chore. We're probably going to do it. And something you said, Melody, uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago was talking about movement and just staying, you know, make, making sure your body's moving. So pickleball would fall into that. And especially, you don't know Stephen Pritt, I don't think, Melody, he's, he was co-host of the, sh- of the Big Ass Runner early on. But Greg knows him. When you see him play pickleball, it is like a hard workout. So we need I, to. We yeah. need to <laughs> I could see that from Steven. He's running all over the place. He's getting, oh my gosh. He's probably got his own uh, pickleball gear article <laughs> going. Exactly. So we're starting, it sounds like we're starting a bumper sticker 
company, a t-shirt company, and I think a chicken company, because you guys are throwing out the wisdom nuggets like crazy. This is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Let's transition a little bit into biggest mistakes you see your athletes make on racing day. And I'll start this time with Coach Craig so he can steal all the good answers from you, yeah. Coach Melody. <laughs> uh, that's a lot more pressure. I kind of like copying off of Melody's answers. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I had a few ways to go with this. And the first one is kind of not running, not running your own race. Um, and I have a specific example. I had someone that I have a few athletes that are going to run a five a 5K together this weekend. And one of them decided, you know, she, she wanted to race, race. So, you know, not just uh, dress up in shamrock costumes, but go for a fast time, even though she, you know, we haven't been, she's, she's been training for trail ultras. And then we talked about goals and she was like, well, let me, I think I'll run with this person for two miles and then I'll, you know, I'll push it in in the last mile. So no, if we're going to race, we we have a specific time go and we want specific paces and, and it's just a, I guess it's the transition. It, and especially if you're talking about like a 50K and you, you have a friend that's similar pace, but there's so many different ebbs and flows during a race, especially a long race where it's for several hours and sometimes someone's feeling a little bit more peppy. And maybe at this time you're not feeling peppy. So um, even though you've run similar training paces, different rhythms for each person during the race someone's always going to have to give up a little bit if you're together like okay we'll slow down and stay together you know if you've agreed to stay together for a whole race that that's that's fine but i think the biggest part is running your own race that, that means not getting caught up in you know the excitement of the crowd and like oh let me just stick with this group and burning yourself out and then you know burning matches that you can't get back later or going out too slow you know if you have a specific time go you know you don't want to you don't want to waste i don't want to say waste but lose minutes or hours sticking with someone when you you know when you've had the opportunity uh to go to go a little bit faster early so um i think running your own race and the and the other part is this is more so after judging the success of your race based on place or time you know yeah. even if you've run the race before especially on a trail weather or uh, the conditions of the trail change what a successful race would have been so say you ran 530 at this 50k last year and you ran six hours this year, you know, are you disappointed in your time even though you ran at your full capabilities? It could have been a rainy day. The trail could have been messy. So um, there's just so many other factors. So it's it's tough. We're always, or if you're a high, you know, if you're a high achiever and you're like, I want to be on the podium. Well, if the Coconino Cowboys all show up that day and <laughs> and they all sweep the podium, are you going to be disappointed that you PR'd or ran your best race ever on that course? So it's, uh, it's an easy thing to judge yourself on times, especially if it's a course that you know or a place if you're used to um, being on the podium or the age group podium. So um, it's very difficult to judge yourself strictly by performance and what you were able to give that day. So I think those are, those are my two. Those are awesome. And I want to follow up on one of them. The first one you said, how do you, cause I think we often, I think all of us as athletes have been in that situation where you do get caught up in the race and you want to either stay with somebody or 
you know, someone passes you, you're like, I'm not passing yeah. me. I'm, you know, how do you coach your athletes to run their, their own race? Cause it's not easy to do sometimes. Yeah. A lot. Uh, and some of it is knowing who you're hanging with. If you go somewhere, if you travel for a race and you have no idea who it is, another piece is just, it's okay to let someone go turn on the blinders. That's a, that's a horse. That's a horse analogy. <laughs> so. Dale, so that works right. perfectly. So turn on the blinders, let people go, even if you are um, looking to run a competitive race, knowing that this is the effort that I go out, hopefully you're a little bit more in tune with your effort and not necessarily just the pace. Just put on the blinders, let people go, hoping that they're going out too fast and you're going to come back to the pack. Uh, Another horse analogy. So that's it. I think it's just having confidence in yourself that you're going out at the appropriate pace for you and the people that are going out too fast are going to come back. And if they're not going to come back, that means they're, they're going to finish ahead of you anyway. So I think it's confidence in your own plan, your own race plan and your own efforts that you're going out at the right pace or right effort for yourself. Yeah. I think that's key is having that plan. Cause if you don't have the plan, then you're just kind of going and that's how you get easily yeah. swept up into the emotion. Another part is, especially for ultras, is, you know, I love aid station charts and trying to uh, give you a, you know, a projected pace to kind of hang on to. So talk to your coach for that. If you're not uh, racing kind of by feel. Yeah. Coach, coach Greg Melody created a um, Mac daddy spreadsheet for the black Canyon 100 when I should be expected at each aid station, several different scenarios. And it was right on the money. And that was very helpful too, for your crew. So my wife was my crew and she'd never crewed before, never been to a race before. And so she gave her confidence on when to expect me, what I might need. Cause we had a plan and we, we'd put, we'd work together and put a plan in place. That's impressive. That's impressive. I can tell you have a coaching mind. <laughs> he does for sure. What about you, Coach Melody? What What are some of the mistakes you've seen your athletes make in, on race day? Yeah. So I was worried about you taking my answers. You didn't, but I was like, oh man, that was a really good answer. <laughs> That's so good. I, I also, I took lots of notes on that. That was really good stuff. So the first thing that came to my mind, because I train mainly ultra runners, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was not eating enough. I think, well, and this doesn't just apply to ultra runners. This applies to any runner who is running for 90 minutes or longer. I've noticed that most people don't realize how much they need to eat uh, for their body and mind to perform optimally. Um, I remember the first time I learned that I was not eating enough. It just blew my mind how much I, I really should be eating. Uh, so that's one of them. And then the second one, I'm kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand, is not getting enough electrolytes. And again, my mind kind of goes to ultra runners. And I just have seen so many runners who, you know, they're running in 98 degrees for, you know, 15 to 30 miles. And electrolytes are so, so, so important. Yeah, I want I want to follow a couple of questions on that. And I remember my first ultra. I had heard the advice of don't forget to eat, don't forget to drink. So I started eating in the truck before we even got to the race. That might have been a mistake. <laughs> I'm not sure. I did finish, but I'm curious. Are you working through kind of? Are you doing some math and saying you need this many calories per hour? Or are you doing it more more by feel? Do you have a plan for? 
Are you carrying your nutrition? Are you, are you using the aid station? How do you work with your athletes on that? Yeah. So I, I have a few, um, nutritionist friends who, if, if my athletes want to really dive into their nutrition, then I'll send them to these nutritionists who can help them. Um, what I do is I kind of, um, we kind of find a balance between tracking and, and listening to your body, kind of the intuitive. So, so the baseline, what I always say is to start with 200 calories every hour or a hundred calories every 30 minutes. And then you can kind of adjust from there. A lot of it really is trial and error. Another thing that I, I recommend is use your long runs to practice eating and running and, and try different food. You know, every long run, try, try a different brand or a different kind of food that you've never tried before and, and just test it and see what works and see, see what doesn't work. Yeah. I love that. And a couple, couple of things. And I think I learned this from, from, conversations with both of you one is don't try anything new on race day so don't don't break out the brand new shoes or don't decide to eat that whatever it is that you might think is looks really good try not to do that and also know what is going to be at the aid stations i think that's important too you know for some people tailwind is great for some people it's not and then you're also a little bit subject to how well that aid station mixes the tailwind. I've had a few occasions where you're like, I think that was like half powder, half water. And so, you know, for me, I, I just kind of go with the flow. I like to, whatever the aid stations have, I try to find out well ahead of time, but I don't, I'm not so type A that I've got to mix my own, but some athletes want to do that. And I think that's fine too, because then you know exactly what you're getting, you know what the ratios are. And we're about to drop a, on the YouTube channel a, a, a video with um, with Eve Pearson, who's a nutritionist, talking about yeah. electrolytes, salt, what's the difference. She talks about sweat rates and all kinds of cool stuff. So um, definitely check that out. What's well, good stuff? Anything else as we were talking that you want to end on in terms of mistakes on either training or race day? I will say uh, I just want to piggyback off the nutrition part, experimenting with uh, with different fuel sources during the long runs you can train the gut i know um it's tough to for i guess probably for some of the new runners like ooh, 200 calories an hour that's a lot but especially if you're if you're running ultras i love spring energy but you know probably after 12 16 hours you might get tired of having the same gel and knowing knowing that your gut can have a hot dog at mile. I know some people don't like hot dogs. I love hot dogs. But knowing that your gut can handle a hot dog at mile 80 of Cruel Jewel, there's a specific aid station that has it. And just playing around. And you can, even if you think you have a sensitive gut, it's something that can can be trained. So you have to do it in long runs. And sometimes, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this myself. Like you could probably run two hours without eating anything. You're going to be fine. But you shouldn't do it at every long run. It, you know, start eating a little bit more than you normally would, just so you can see what your snub bank can handle, and that's all going to pay off on race day. Love it. Train the gut. That's what I feel like I'm doing all the time <laughs> <laughs> while running. Well, exactly while running. That that part <laughs> I don't do as much of. Listen to this question because I think your race day strategies can change a little bit when you talk about overnight races. So if we're, think, we're thinking about it, and for me, an, an overnight race is 100K, for not for, for you guys probably, but what are you telling your athletes when it comes to overnight races? You're running through the night, 
you know, maybe your lights for the first time, maybe poles for the first time. Let's start with you, Melody. I'll let you go first on this one. What are some of the things you're coaching your athletes on relative to overnight races? Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind with an overnight race is mental toughness. Honestly, I mean, there's lots of technical things. I mean, you need to, you know, figure out light. You know, how are you going to have light through the whole night? Another thing is you want to train your gut eating through the night. Eating through, I mean, eating while you run is one thing, but eating through the night is another thing because our bodies are not used to that. But it really, that's all important. But it really comes down to mental toughness. The nighttime is hard. That's when everybody wants to quit. That's when your spirits are the lowest. So I would say I'm I'm a really big believer in mental toughness, like callousing the mind. Um, one thing that I have all my athletes do that they kind of hate me slash love me for is I, I have everybody do something that they hate every single day. So I have, I have one client who hates planks. So she does a plank every single day. I have, I have another client who hates stretching. Um, so I have him stretch. I mean, you should probably stretch every day anyways, but anyways, he, <laughs> he stretches every single day. And I just think it's so important to do at least one thing a day that you don't like doing. And, and that's also, you know, a part of the training and especially the long runs, you build your mental toughness. It's, you know, it's about getting out and doing the run, even though it's raining outside or it's, it's snowing outside. It's about completing your long run, even though you're just so tired and it's just about getting it done and, and strengthening your mind. And, and also, um, just practicing the mental toughness, just telling yourself like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this race. I'm not going to stop the, you know, the only thing, the only thing that's going to get me to stop is if, you know, I, I break my leg or I'm, or, you know, I'm, you know, it's going to cause permanent damage or, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to let anything stop me. And just, and just telling yourself that, you know, you're strong and that you can do it. And it, it just, it just takes time to build up that mental toughness and, and just practicing having a good mindset and thinking positively and turning negative thoughts into positive thoughts. And anyways, I, I think that's the biggest thing with running through the night is just working on that mindset for when things get hard. Uh, so you can just, so you can push through and, and do it because it, running through the night is hard. It, it's so different. And I remember the, the first time I did it was a, a night race in preparation for Black Canyon. And so I'm wondering, do, do you coach your athletes to th- the time that you run through the night shouldn't be your A race? You should have done it before then as preparation, as part of this mental toughness. Do you coach your athletes to do that? So this is, you kind of need to find a balance here because running through the night does, I mean, it, it knocks you out and yep. it can't, it can, it does have the potential to kind of knock you back in your training. So you do want to be careful with that. I do. I personally think that doing at least a few runs through the night as part of your training, I think it's a good idea just to get used to that, just to get used to running in the dark. That's what I'd say. I, I wouldn't say like every other long run is a night run, but I, I would right. say throw a few, few night runs in there. Yep. That's, that's some good wisdom because you're right. A night run can throw your, your rhythms all out of whack if it's part of your training. So doing it every once in a while versus doing it quite often. And Coach Greg, you've, you've run through the night quite a bit. You did Cocodona 250 yep. and other things. Tell us a little bit about how you're coaching your athletes to do that. Yeah, so definitely run through uh, a few nights all at once. So, yeah, the I think – yeah, Melody hit on a lot of good points because specifically for a hundred miler, for me, a race doesn't start until after a hundred k. A lot of us have even the fifty k can go for several hours, so that's at 
that's the first time if that's the first time that you've run in the dark there's going to be issues so the other pieces with the gear that you're going to use at night there's a lot of things to take into account if you haven't changed out the battery in your waist lamp or even know how to turn it on that's going to be a problem if you if you're using a headlamp for the first time and you realize it's super heavy on your head and gives you a headache and you really don't like it you know that's going to be a problem so this is obviously these are things that you're going to have to test out now, I was saving the nutrition piece for this specific question because for races that are going into the night, you know, the mistakes that you make early will compound. So even with a 50K, you could feel like crap and still be fine, relatively fine. But if you start skipping eight stations or skipping the intervals that you had planned to feel on, those mistakes by the time the 100K runs comes around you're not going to be able to recover from so those fielding mistakes you make early are going to be a problem so you you get i guess you have to remember that you're not fueling for the mile that you're in you're fueling for hours down the road um so the fueling becomes more important when you're doing longer races you got to take care of it as early as you can now as far as training for night i i agree with melody uh i've seen people waking up at midnight and trying to you know run through the morning obviously some big benefits to that but you don't have to do it all the time you you know you can get just as big of a benefit you know waiting for eight o'clock run running for a few hours and you'll get to use your gear but i also have and uh, it's top of my mind because i have someone doing the the 4 448 challenge this weekend and for me you know i've done it a couple times and i think there is a huge mental benefit from doing that if you're unfamiliar you know, David Goggins popularized it. I don't think he invented it, but it's, you know, running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So you're running four miles 12 times. And the majority of us can run four miles. The physical component is not huge, but you actually learn a lot about fueling because your stomach is going to go crazy. You're going to be hungry and thirsty the whole time. And then obviously, you're going to be tired because you're not going to get enough sleep. But I like it because you get a huge mental boost um, fighting through a lot of uh, a lot of dark spaces. But you do minimize um, you minimize some of the physical risks that you have because it is only four miles, and in total, it's it's forty eight. That still sounds like a lot, but it, it's 48 <laughs> miles over over two days, but it's spread out. So I think it maximizes a lot of the mental component, but minimizing the physical risk. So it's so easy to quit too, because it's just like, that's a training run. I'll just skip it. Or uh, how about I just sleep in for this extra hour and make up time later? The hard part is like, okay, I'm supposed to run at 12 a.m. I'm going to get up and run at 12 a.m. So you learn a lot about pushing yourself because it's just you. You know, if, you, if you're getting other people to join you for it, that helps a lot. But a lot of times it's it's just yourself that I got to do it at this time. That's because this is the way the way it is. And and it's a great mental lesson for racing. So I um, for first time 100 milers, I think it's a, it's a big piece. I have someone doing it this weekend and I have someone else planning to do it in June for a prep for their 100 milers. So I, I think it's a great option that, again, gets all the mental benefits and minimizes some of the physical risks that we have. We're trying to run, you know, 50 miles over two days. So we kind of s- spread out all the strain on the body, but then you get all the 
all the boost mentally. One one thing I also wanted to ask you about is, and you helped me through Black Canyon on this, is during the day there's a there's a temperature. That temperature can be very different at night. And I think you were very wise in making sure that, okay, you get, you need to make sure you've got, you know, poles at this point, lights at this point, but also, you know, hoodies or pullovers or what, you know, to stay warm. Is that a mistake you see your runners make? Yeah, well, hopefully not. If I'm it doing my job, I'm prepared for that. But right. So if you're running ultras, you're asking your body to do a lot. One, obviously, keep moving. Or otherwise, the race is not going to go well. The other part is keeping warm. And the other part is digesting, digesting the fuel that you're doing. And, and it's not, and honestly, it's, it's not going to be able to, to do a lot well. So if you're asking it to digest food and keep moving, it's going to be difficult for it to keep yourself warm. And even when the, when temps drop, even 50 degrees, which, you know, would be t-shirts and short weather for the most of us, if you've got 60 miles on your legs, that's going to feel chilly. And it's, it's weird. It's like, oh, God, I need a jacket. You know, your pacer is probably running around in, in shorts and a T-shirt because they're fresh. But if you've uh, got 60 miles in your leg, it's going to feel a lot different. So um, preparing yourself to go into night wearing extra layers, carrying a light jacket that you can slip on, especially, and I say especially for the females because, you know, they have, they have a sports bra. So if, I keep saying 60 miles because it's, it's an easy interval, but trying to, before it gets dark, changing out into dry clothes because if you just throw on a dry long sleeve over a, a wet sports bra, you're still your core is still going to be cold. So I, I think it's very important to not only just have additional layers, but additional dry layers to go into the night because you're asking your body to regulate temperature while you're you're still trying to run and digest. It, it's going to be difficult, so you have to help your body with that. So give it a give it some easy layers and some dry layers to keep yourself warm so you can do all the important stuff like eat and try to digest the food that you you're giving it. Such good wisdom. Well, any, any other final thoughts before we wrap up this first edition of the coaching corral, Melody? Yeah, I, I do want to add to the nighttime gear just a little bit. I did want to say, um, I've had, I've had a few athletes who are like, I just cannot figure out my gear and they're always trying new gear. And, and, and I realized with these athletes that they were trying to get the the perfect gear and and I I just realized that there's no such thing as the perfect gear there's there's gear that's going to help but the thing is you're running a hundred miles you're gonna be cold you're you're gonna hurt like you're not gonna get gear that's gonna make your pain go away and make everything feel better gear's gonna help but you need to realize that you're still gonna be cold and it's gonna be uncomfortable because you're running a hundred miles so <laughs> don't expect your gear to you know change everything. And, and I also want to say, get a light windproof and waterproof jacket. I think that um, if, if that's the only piece of gear you get, I think that's the most important to, to keep yourself dry and to keep that chilly wind off of you. Good word. Good word. Coach Melody, Coach Greg, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much. I would love for you guys to tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about your coaching business and how they can contact you. Let's start with you, Coach Melody. Sure. The best way to contact me is either through my Instagram or my website. My Instagram is at the Pine Tree Runner. Uh, my website is melodybateman.biz. There's a link to my website on my Instagram. And then just a little bit about what I do is I, I train mainly trail runners, 5K up to 100 miles. And... 
I love what I do. <laughs> and you've got some hunters sprinkled in there too. Hunter slash yeah, ultra yeah. runner. That, that is her, one of the things that she does is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned that um, a lot of my clientele has turned into helping hunters train for ultra races and their goal is to get in better shape for hunting season. So if you're a hunter and you want to get in better shape for hunting season, let's sign up for a race and we'll get you in shape. <laughs> Awesome. And I don't think we mentioned where you are. You're in, you're in Ogden, Utah. Yes. Where that makes tons of sense. You'd have hunters and ultra runners. Lots of hunters around here. Yeah. Coach Greg, how can someone get in contact with you? Yeah. I want to say uh, the hunting part is awesome because I talked to a hunter during Wasatch and I was like, how far are you from your, uh, from your ATV? Cause he was pretty high up on the ridge. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Uh, the easiest way to reach me is on Instagram, ultra ninja runner without an E because not, it's too many characters and, uh, the links to my website and all, all other links are in the bio, but pretty responsive there. And that's the easiest place to reach me. And Coach Melody, are you taking athletes right now to, on your roster? I am, yeah. My roster just opened up um, the past couple of weeks here, so I am taking athletes. Awesome. Coach Greg, are you taking any new athletes? Yep, I am as well. Awesome. And I'm here to announce the Big Ass Runner coaching business. I'm also taking athletes, very small roster. Ooh. So if you're interested in running with the Clydesdale, training with the Clydesdale, I focus on the everyday runner. And yeah, I would love to work with you. You can reach me at jeff at bigassrunner.com or on Instagram, bigassrunner. This has been awesome. I'm so excited about this kind of mini series we're doing as part of the Big Ass Runner. This has been very, very helpful. So thank you both for being part of this show. We really appreciate it. This is fun. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. This is fun. Bye, y'all. As we announced in the coaching corral, I am a USCA certified trail running coach. If you've thought about getting a trail running coach and you're interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me, please let me know at jeff at bigassrunner.com. This is going to be a training experience that includes accountability, encouragement, art, science, preparation, hard work, but mostly a lot of fun. It's custom coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I'm assembling a very small roster of athletes. So if you are interested, definitely want to act fast. Reach out to me at jeff at bigassrunner.com. I would love to work with you. Well, thanks for joining us inside the coaching corral. We're going to do this every other week. Check your shoes. Check your schedule. Get out there. Hit those trails. And we'll see you next time.